Hello, welcome to Wasting Time Podcast. I'm Chris, here with Nick. How's it going, Nick? I'm all right, mate. How are you? I'm all right. With This is really weird because uh, for the listener, we just caught up two minutes ago and now we're doing a fake catch up. Oh, I, can't, oh, I can't be bothered to pretend. Let's just move on from the... Uh... The pleasantries. Yeah, the, false, the false small talk. and uh, Yeah, exactly. Get straight into uh, which band is making a comeback this week. Which band is made? What are you talking about? Watch. <laughs> it seems like every every week at the moment, there's a, a band from like 10 years ago that have announced they are <laughs> yeah. making a comeback, doing a new I album. See. Or I like see. I see. Do, doing a tour for the first time in 15 years. Like, yeah, like like for example, I saw Boys Like Girls released a single today. If you remember yeah. them, I actually i I like them. Like they were very very corny, weren't they? But I I, I quite liked. Was it good? The Great Escape. Yeah, that was the best song. Definitely. We get yesterday. And um, did you listen to the one that came out today? Yeah, it's fucking shit. <laughs> yeah, it, it's terrible. What's the um? What was the other big one that had? Oh, um, Thunder. Ah, uh, yes, two days of one. Yeah. Oh, that was a yeah. comedy one. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. good. It's a good song. Yeah, so they're doing a, making a comeback. Anyone else? So the starting line are kind of touring again at the moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, off the top of my head, I don't know. There is. Oh, Gas Gas Anthem Anthem released some more music again, haven't they? Yeah, that was a few weeks ago. Did you like it? Yeah, and I would say it's more, um, it's more older, gaslight, early gaslight than later gaslight. Well, yeah. the kind of choruses which are quite, kind of quite like. Yeah, I really like that song. I think the chorus is great. I love, love the uh, bridge as well. I think it's really nice lyrics, lovely <laughs> melody. Um, the uh, the mix of the song I wasn't desperately keen on, but the song itself I thought was great. So I'm looking forward to hearing more new stuff from them. Yeah, the rancid stuff I've not been. There's two, they released two songs now, haven't they? I haven't thought much of either of. I think we talked about the first song last time yeah, I think we caught up, but I think we did. Yeah, yeah, not really into the the next one they've released. Don't make me do it. Yeah, no, I wasn't that uh, that bothered by it. I'll still be curious to hear the album. I'm looking forward to seeing them next month as well. Yeah, and talking of like bands getting back together, there's obviously been bands that are announced there. Dis disbandment? Is that would that be the right terminology? I think so. <laughs> right. uh, so obviously some forty wanna announce they're gonna release an album and then tour it and then break up. And then and then that's it. Yeah, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I do wonder if it's a little it's a small PR stunt for their the release of their next album. But right. uh it's kind of weird, like I get like a hiatus and stuff like that, but like saying you're gonna like disband, I don't know. It just feels like you don't you don't really need to be that final with something like that, do you? Just yeah, say, we're we're just not gonna hang up our you know gloves for a little while. And, yeah, and see what like, happens because it's very yeah. common that a band finishes and then then they get back for a reunion uh, or a period or whatever. That's how that tends to happen. It's happening fucking all the time as we're just yeah. <laughs> exactly until uh, yeah the when we were on festival kind of comes around for for its booking exactly and, yeah, for, yeah. for bookings 
but yeah, it'd be interesting to see where they take that album because kind of they've gone through like phases, haven't they, as a band? And they've yeah. never really I don't know. I would love to see them go back to like early style, but I doubt we'll get that from them. No, well, we supposedly we are. You know, it's a double okay. album, so he- heaven and hell. So heaven is that, that be, metal, the metal thing. Yeah, so heaven's going to be the, the kind of old school pop punk they used to do, and then uh-huh. hell is going to be more what we've been become in the, the last few years. It's interesting. I saw I saw Derek talking about it in an interview recently, and he was just like he started trying to write some pop punk songs like for other artists, you know, because a lot of, a lot of that goes on. And it was his first time writing a pop punk song since like maybe 2006. And so it was a bit, it felt weird. But then he was like, hey, I really like these songs. I don't actually want to give them away. I kind of want to keep them for some 41. So I think that's right. how it came about, which is interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Sounds optimistic for the likes of us. Yeah. And also, um, I had it, well, you know this, but this is for the listener. I had a little exchange with Dave. Dave Brown sounds yesterday, and he's he's up for coming back on the show when closer to the release. So that's something to look forward to. Cool. But that would be that would be good. Um, ye, what else did I want to talk about? Let's have a look. We covered Gaslight Anthem, lots of Hopeless Records stuff. Oh yeah, like there was that Trophy Eye song. I think I sent that to you. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I've always liked tr- Trophy Eyes. I know you've not been like crazy about them, but. Um, I remember catching them at Slamdunk like a few years ago and like being really impressed. And, really good live uh, show, is it? Yeah, yeah. and um, yeah, I've always kind of liked their music. We should get one of them on the show. That would be that would be a cool one. Yeah, sounds good. I'm off to see one of our old guests, um, Tyler from Youth Fountain, next week. So I'll report back how that was next time. Where are you seeing him? Well, just a new new cross, new cross in, because right. it's it's slam dunk weekend. I think he's playing playing slam dunk. Oh yeah, cool. Is there much else going on around around then? Yeah, a few things. I think there's a lot because you're not actually going to slam dunk, are you? No, I'm not. I'm not doing slam dunk itself. No, couldn't couldn't be bothered. But I'm doing that, and I've got <laughs> another thing. So yeah, it should be good. Um, oh, that reminds me. Did you listen to Spanish Love Songs' new song? No, I did see the release something. Uh, um, I I think it's better than their last stuff, but it's just not for me. And I mean this with the greatest respect because um, obviously Dylan did come on our show a long time ago. Actually, came to my flat, and he's an awesome guy, and I'm thankful for that. So I don't want to badmouth his music, but yeah, I just not your favorite. it's not my favorite. Honored. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Sure. Um, but good luck to them, and I hope it does well. And I know a lot of people who who really like their music so you know i'm sure they're only gonna grow and grow are they over for slam dunk i think they're playing slam dunk yeah yeah, yeah. Is, yeah. They're, they're playing london the same night this coming friday that i'm at the youth uh, fountain show as well i've got some yeah. friends going to it right yellow card are gonna release gonna release some music are they, they released an album or just some singles or... i don't know what the latest is on that they were teasing something so something is happening with them yeah, I know Ryan said he would give us some more of his time because he talked to us about Star Wars for. Loads. <laughs> yeah, he he definitely owes us some more time, doesn't he? Because <laughs> uh, yeah, he had a tight tight time limit, didn't he? He did because he was late as fuck. If I seem to remember. Uh, yeah, yeah. So maybe we time down around the 
release of their, their new stuff. That would be good. That would be good. We'll get on to his management, definitely. Uh, okay, should we, should we get on with today's show? Yeah, go for it. So today uh, we have the the San Francisco band Stroke Nine. It's kind of it's in a similar vein to our last show where where I spoke to John Hampson from Nine Days. They're kind of from the same era, similar kind of band. They came up with that sort of third eye blind that, in that sort of movement in the late nineties, early two thousands. But they're still active, so I kind of talk about their heyday and what they're up to now. Um, it was it was a fun chat. So here it is. Yeah, let me start by apologizing for because um, obviously we tried to do this the start of the month. And my internet decided to play up, I think, like five minutes before we were due to do the interview. And then I was able to use my wife's work phone to just briefly speak to to you, uh, Luke and Greg. So apologies for wasting your time that morning. No but problem. I, this worked out better because now John's here. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, it's great to have uh, three of you instead. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I want things, <laughs> yeah. things were different back then in the pandemic. Two, wait how long ago was it it was two weeks ago oh, okay. <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh firstly oh how was um how was were you going to hawaii luke yeah i was and it was awesome i was uh on the island of Kauai, uh yeah for about a week and uh it was great good family trip nice place to spend easter i should imagine yeah it was good it was very nice yeah, we're all very happy for Luke and his vacation. <laughs> I'm off. I needed it. I've been on the podcast circuit. <laughs> I need a break. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll um we'll we'll talk about that a little bit in a second. I, I have seen you guys cropping up everywhere, which is which is really nice to see. Um so where are you guys based at the minute? Right now we are in San Rafael, California, which is about 30 minutes north of San Francisco across the Golden Gate Bridge. Um, and we're in a very unique studio. John, can you explain the studio that we're in right now? I'd be happy to. So we are in our recording studio here, which is actually part of the old uh, Lucasfilm ILM building. Oh, wow. So, so, can I interrupt you? What does ILM stand for? And, oh, thanks. Uh, it is Industrial Light and Magic. Oh, interesting. Uh, so this room is where they did special effects for movies uh starting in the 80s all the way the 90s all the way to uh probably up i don't know to mid 2000s and so um it's just a cool building it's like they that's where they shot all the empire strikes back and and um return of the jedi and uh and so this is our little studio we recorded uh bunch of albums in but this particular room anything significant happened in this room there was one very significant thing uh the cgi for a movie was created for the first time in this room uh and it was for jurassic park so the dinosaurs that's running in jurassic park it was actually created in this room uh back in like mid 90s but I thought the THX sound was also created in mm-hmm. this room. Yes. So that's two things. So there's Yeah, there's quite a few things. There's a few things. And wasn't the guy who worked in this room kind of a unique character who had like a crazy name? He was, yes. Spaz Williams was his name. Yeah. And there's actually a great documentary out about him right now. Uh, but yes, you know the, the THX deep note that goes, the thing that goes near. Of course. 
that was created in here yeah. uh in the wow in the 80s, so yeah so a lot of good vibes in this room where yeah trying to dismantle we're those vibes one broading yeah. upon them <laughs> as <he might> say. <laughs> this is uh this is excellent little bonus history i was not expecting to learn yeah. um nicely told as well oh that's really cool so how, how long how long have you guys been using that space probably about five years or so and um we started recording this is where we started our our last album Calafrio, right yeah um and so we've been coming in here and recording nights and weekends um and uh it's just been it's been a good vibe. We all we all live pretty close together, except mm -hmm. for uh, um, Jen's lives in L.A. and so and so, Eric lives in L.A. and Eric lives in L.A. and so we have to uh, uh, send things back and forth. But um, the three of us get together pretty regularly and work on things. Mainly, just you know, kind of hang out. Nice. Yeah, see how quickly we can get from the work to dinner. Yes generally yeah yeah <laughs> how are you chris <laughs> i'm i'm good um sorry did you say how am i or where am i how and where yeah okay <laughs> um yeah i'm good i'm good um just just got in from my day job in time to in time to do this uh i'm based i'm based in surrey which is like southwest of london i work in go into the city a couple of days a week for my day job um so busy day today and um I was expecting to do this with my co-host but he's he's recently had a, had a kid and he's just tied up all the time so uh kind of uh thrown off a little bit by that but it's all good i um yeah he broke up the band he he did it he ruined i know i know so i'm kind of used to being i've been doing a lot of these solo recently but it's all good um it's funny as well because like i'd say like 90 percent of the artists we speak to on this show is kind of like in the sort of like um, pop punk lane, you know, so we've done like bands like Sum Forty One, MXPX. That's that that's the that's the usual vibe we do. But like we 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 like to branch out of that when we can as well. But I feel like these last couple of days, I've had a nice little theme because I spoke to um, John Hampson from Nine Days just two days ago as well. So it's ooh, ooh. oh, never heard of him. Oh, the other Nine band, yeah, yeah, <laughs> great guy. Yeah, we love John. Good luck. I take it. Did, did you listen to? Because he was recently on the One Hit Thunder talking about um, a certain little song. I take. Did you guys catch that? I assume you did. I listened to that. Yeah, I kind of live tweeted slash texted to him when I was listening to it. A little corrections here and there, just some things. Okay. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, it was great. Um, we love John. We love Nine Days. We've had. A long history with them and a lot of fun with them yeah you know? yeah uh he, just he, the sharing of the of the digit like right. <laughs> only only a few dust-ups <laughs> only a few okay that's yeah, good only a few one one major dust-up and the rest were sort of just minor dust-ups but it's just okay. been nothing but love since then really what happened Oh, it's not even oh, I'm really sure funny. he told. Yeah, I'm sure he, he probably told. You all about he it. Probably yeah, did John Hampson? Did he tell you about the time when he we did didn't not. let him headline the biggest show of that tour? No, you don't. No, know I, I don't believe he mentioned it. We it we we toured with Nine Days a lot, and um, yeah, it was great. And uh, I honestly, I would say it's 2000, 
99, 2000, somewhere in there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously both our careers were skyrocketing, but theirs was <laughs> skyrocketing a little bit more than ours. <laughs> and we got to New York and they're from Long Island. And so we were mm -hmm. playing in New York at Irving Plaza. Irving Plaza. And we were doing a co-headlining tour. So we'd flop back and forth every night. Yeah. You know, so go last, whatever that means. Is headlining last? Sure. And so we got to New York City and it was our night to go last. And they had just gotten to number one. Like they'd gotten to number one that day. Right. And, okay. <laughs> and it was in front of their friends and family <laughs> and everyone. And uh when you're the not last band, when you're the second to last band, there's a tight time. It's like you end at 10.15 and that's it because there's a 15 minute switch over. Sure. And so at 10.15, we were very strict and we're like, your set is done and we're going on. And so we were all backstage. <laughs> well, didn't they like, it. no, I think that they asked if they could do like another song. They asked if they could go a little bit longer. Like do an encore. And we said no. Well, we, I, I don't, <laughs> is it we did not. I think we it was not. our like stage manager. Or it was from, it, our handlers. Our, yeah. our, our representation yes. said no, but we certainly were not accommodating to any. Like we, these guys got to go. It just doesn't sound like something that we would agree to no, do. We did not. Uh, and yeah. so we were all backstage, and they came off stage to thunderous applause because it was their crowd who were starting to walk out for our set. <laughs> and someone came and kicked, <laughs> kicked the door of our room backstage in a sign of frustration. And it was funny i mean we were inside laughing and it was it was it was very traumatic for them but we we resolved it much later in life and apologized very publicly it was not cool of us and we should have given them the the headlining slot afterwards so, well, but we, we were also really excited to have a, our first real band feud with the with another band and and so <laughs> You know, that's a and, good point. That's a very good point. And yeah. uh, and there was tons of press about it. Everyone was <laughs> was very excited. Uh, mean, there was it was like Oasis Blur Mach yeah, Two. Yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> the world yeah. was 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 talking. And by press, it was a Angel Fire like update on one person's blog. <laughs> <laughs> but are, are you serious when you say um, obviously you made up that it was some time later, like or? I think it was a lot later. I mean, I think that right, we sort okay. of had, we had like a working relationship with them at the time. I, we weren't, we were fine, but we weren't like super buddy buddy with them at the time because I think, you know, there was just a lot going on for both bands. We were sort of in a similar space and place in our in our careers, yeah. and we were just both really selfish. They obviously had a massive hit that was you know everywhere, and and they were like you know flying off to do the Tonight Show and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but we were sort of clinging to uh, the little black backpack uh, hit hitness, which was not as top 40 and not as big as their song and not as good as their song, um, obviously. But obviously, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, but we've become really close uh, in the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years. I think a lot of it was okay. well, and you played with them since then, too. And. At the time when when the dust up and it wasn't that bad um, when that yeah. occurred, we were uh, more similar and focused and career oriented. And then in the time since we've played with them and we both recognized that we were one hit wonders at a very unique time, mm. kind of the end of radio, 
the end of big labels, the end of big money and stuff like that. Yeah. So we had a very similar experience and we had a very similar fan base. And so like we can poke fun at each other and commiserate with each other. And also like, remember like, Hey, remember when like your record company would spend $10,000 for you to do a show in a field somewhere. And they'll be like, yeah, we remember that. Crazy. <laughs> and we'll be like, yeah, that was, that was insane. And so, yeah. um, so we have a, a unique history with them which is really cool to have, you know, there's like a couple hundred bands that probably have that now. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's really cool. That's really cool. Um, and then kind of related to, to what I was asking about. Um, cause I think, I think the same guy produces this, but, um, so you were just on Krista makes podcast this week, which, uh, I managed to finish listening to today. Um, I, I do love his show and like his take on it, like how he just focuses on one song and just pulls it apart. Um, how was it doing that? And like, were you, I think Luke at one point, I think it was you, you mentioned that you were less than Jake fan, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, it was cool. He's, he's awesome. And he's just super humble, modest dude. And um, it was interesting. Like I, the one thing that I think was most memorable is him like reading the, the lyrics yeah. back to you to your song just yeah. in a normal voice uh kind of like someone reading you know a poem to you and it was like oh, this is really awkward um <laughs> but yeah he's cool that that actually turned out really well and we had some some kind of uh connectivity issues while we were doing it so mm -hmm. it was tough greg was in one place i was in another and yeah. it sounded kind of weird as we were doing it but they did a great job of like editing it all together and making it pretty seamless um yeah yeah no it came out came out well um i think it was on that show you mentioned you mentioned something about um how uh luke luke and greg you're always doing stuff together and you said like outside of the band you're doing like some tech some tech work together like is that kind of so i guess what i'm asking is like how's outside of the band for the three of you how's life look like at the minute what what kind of what are you up to outside of music john why don't you go first uh so i do music um i make music for commercials and tv and and uh stuff like that so i'm still working in music um i couldn't get away like these okay. guys were smarter these guys were smarter <laughs> than me i went into tech um so that's that's worked out well for them but um you know i'm still just hanging out doing doing music have you worked on anything tv or commercial wise that that I might know, might have made its way over here in recent times. Uh, yeah. Do you know uh, the movie Iron Man? Uh, I I haven't seen it. I'm not a big superhero guy, but I am obviously okay, aware yeah. of it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Where's this one going? Because <laughs> I had nothing to do. With it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of realized as I was answering your question, it's like always oh, fucking with me. Yeah. 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 No, uh, I mainly uh, it's been it's been a lot of you know kind of jingles and um, uh, just did a. A uh, little little company called McDonald's. A um, little company called Starbucks. I'm loving it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah that and uh, that kind of thing. Um, so, so uh, yeah, it's fun. Work with a lot of cool musicians and and um, get to write all sorts of different types of music. Um, and it's a different different type of music than than the music we get to make because it's not. You're not. Um, you're making music for somebody else and, and you're kind of, you, you don't, it, what you do doesn't really matter. It's only just yeah. to serve, serve a product 
And uh, so have it's. You, have you ever been asked to create something that sounds a little bit like the latest Portugal the Man single? I, <laughs> I actually, uh, I have pretty pretty regularly. Yeah. Uh, and uh, for a recent commercial that we did for this last Super Bowl, um, I won't mention it in case uh so we don't get sued but yes it was it was supposed to sound like a portugal the man song and i'm not going to mention the song really. <laughs> i'll know which song it is yes <laughs> it's one of their one of their songs <laughs> that's cool uh, yeah and yeah greg uh -huh. and i are in tech yeah we, we work for um a company called medium which is a online blogging platform okay medium.com and um yeah and yeah so the lesson here to all the kids who are getting started in rock and roll is it's not gonna last and you're gonna have to get a job eventually but the good news is you know you can get a job you will not be completely unemployable so that's you know keep your head up right ahead and, <laughs> and then then you're yes. all good that's yeah. my advice to the kids. Yeah, I think Huey Lewis was said at one point, if you write a hit, you'll get five years out of uh, musical longevity from that hit. And that was actually kind of right right about dead on. That's uh, a very interesting equation. I wonder if that's true. Does it do they compound? So if you have yes, five hits, you get twenty five years. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Cause nice. we got about five years of straight touring off Little Black Backpack. Uh, and then we right. all had to say, all right, what do we do now? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So well, he, obviously he's obviously going to be able to tour for forever. <laughs> I can it, think, I can think of a couple <laughs> bands. I, I think <laughs> there might be some, some variations in that equation, depending on your genre and audience. I think that there are some bands that possibly had one big hit that can make it go longer i think in our genre in disposable millennial turn of the millennium rock that was five years is right but some there's some bands that can do a solid 20-year run off of one hit i would think of it more as like a sentence um so mm -hmm. if you have a hit then you you serve five years hard time wow. And then, you know, if you're like Coldplay, you get like multiple life sentences. I mean, those guys are, <laughs> those guys are going to be, you know. Well, you get there, but then you have to spend five years trying to figure out how to outdo your last hit. And then as That's soon as you break curve. out of that, that five years, we didn't have to worry about that anywhere because yeah. then nobody cares. No. And right. you can, you can start over. And no one wanted it. Like no, no one wanted it. There's also there's also the other side of it. Um, not to keep referencing the Krista Makes interview, but like he was on about how his because obviously his band's still you know still plugging away, have been for what thirty years or something, but they've never had a hit. So I guess there's the there's that there's those types of bands that never had have a hit like you guys did and just managed to keep going at that sort of tra trajectory. I guess you know. That's an interesting balance. I, I mean, mean it's which possible. camp would you rather be in? Well, I don't know. I yeah. Mean, like, think about like widespread panic has never had a quote unquote hit, but they play arenas, right? And so, and they maybe they focus more on their show and <laughs> you know, putting on a good show and building their fan base and and getting getting a great live show. Whereas if you have a hit, you're like, yeah, we just all got to do is like kill time for 25 minutes and then play the hit and then get out of there and everyone's going to be happy. 
So maybe that's that's a, a thing too. Not to say that our show, we, we're a bar band. And so we struggled to keep fans our whole life. And and we got our show to a good spot. And yeah. I think Backpack came out of of us being a good bar band. Um, we built it. We, you know, we built our set early in our career to like a, a level of drama at the end when Backpack came in and it has a very sing-alongy chorus and um, call and response and a lot of room for jams. And so, the, you know, there's something to that. You have to arrive at a song like that. Like we didn't get Backpack was a, a great song, but I think we arrived at Backpack uh, through process. We didn't yeah. just it didn't just show up one day like <laughs> and you hear those stories like, yeah, no, I woke up in the, in the middle of the night and I did four chords three maybe three or four depending and that was it and the hit was done like backpack wasn't really like that i don't think i think we got there eventually am i wrong uh no you are not wrong it was well yeah it's a i mean it, it it's a you know bar band song that is not danceable or fun to <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in, in Chris's podcast, he says it is danceable, and that was the one thing where I was Who's like, dancing to that? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, maybe he just means like bobbing your it's head. Bounceable. Like, yeah, it's bounceable. It. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. he was talking about like pogoing, sort, which is a form of dancing, right? Uh yeah, yeah true. <laughs> which I guess you would to the chorus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a completely different song when we first started doing it, and uh, um, and so it it was a long evolution to get where where it, it finally the final right. song. but but uh yeah it was um it was not definitely not a an instant hit we had to we had to fight for that one speaking of the early days can you just tell me a little bit about the early days of the band because i you know i know you, you you kind of formed in music class or or whatever it was um was it kind of like at the turn of the 80s into the 90s like early 90s um and just like what 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 you kind of i mean you made, Let's just say that. Wait, hold on. <laughs> it was the turn of the. It was eighty nine. That's eighty nine. Yeah, no, oh, <laughs> yeah I, I don't know why I phrased it like that. I, I often say no, like so turn of the century, dramatic. but like uh, yeah. yeah. You could have <laughs> said just came you know, out that way years ago. You could have done that too. Like that's I could have done that. <laughs> we started in, uh, in right here, very close to here in in high school, as yeah. in you know you might call it college university i don't know it's very different college between america they call it college okay i think so i studied all this before the podcast but i forgot all my <laughs> britishisms um and so yeah we started together and uh and then it just worked and we kept yeah. it going and kept dipping back in into it even though we all went to american university and um mm -hmm. and we always thought there was going to be something there and no one else really had anything significant going on and so, uh, but we did, yeah, we started, we were, we're a high school band. We're a high school band that kept going all the way through and, uh, and we're still doing it. And, you know, it's funny, you talked about like the out of band aspect of stroke nine and like, what do you guys yeah. do? And we're still friends. And we actually, we're still friends with a lot of our high school friends. We all went away, came back to where we were. So we're kind of, whenever and not to say that we're elder statement statesmen of of rock or anything, but whenever I see a young band or kids yeah. or now at this point, our friends' kids starting their bands, I'm like, just stay together. 
Like if you stay together for long enough, you kind of can't suck and something's going to happen. Yeah. And that was a big strength in stroke nine is we just, we honestly just stayed together and no one got yeah. mad. And no matter how much we, the tension existed or anything like that, everyone's like, yeah, but this is the band. So the band comes first and then ego comes second. And, um, and, and that's sort of how we got started. And that's how we're, we're still doing it, which is pretty nice. interesting and unique, you know? Thing. yeah there's something else to that too that just occurred to me it's like we i don't think we have a personality in the band that's like and this is this is a pro and a con because a lot of bands you know that end up getting wildly successful have like a very strong personality that's yeah. like you know undeniably going to do whatever it takes to make this thing go i think we were all just kind of going along having fun trying to do the best we could but we weren't like making the, you know, probably making the best business decisions. We weren't, oh, you know, like sure. doing, doing a lot of the things that, that, um, having sort of more of a type a personality in the band might, might try and, and, you know, yeah. for, and that might end up blowing the band up or it might end up making the, like blowing them up in a bad way, breaking them up or blowing them up in a way where they're just like become a massive band forever. Yeah. Which is interesting because Huey Lewis and the News are a band, even though it is Huey Lewis mm, and yeah. the News. Mm -hmm. like, I think Bob Seger's like that too, you know. Like he was Bob Seger's without the Silver Bullet Band, it's not really the same thing. It's a good point. Tom yeah. Petty, heartbreaker. Now Tom Petty. Uh, do, we, do we want to talk about yeah, everyone? Anyway. Yeah, <laughs> anyway. let's go through everyone. Yeah, let's go through, we go through them all. <laughs> But yes, no, I understand what you're saying. But yeah. we're also, I mean, we're also friends outside of just band. And so I think that's yeah. kind of, I don't know if we're, we're just too lazy to, to try and actually make friends beyond anyone outside of high school. <laughs> um, but, but we are, we are, it, it's, there's a respect that, that where if somebody doesn't like something or somebody doesn't want to do something, it's not we all just kind of listen to each other. And, and I think nobody's, nobody's so intent on making sure that their idea wins that, that, yeah. um, that it, they're willing to, to walk away or get mad. And so that's, that's, what's kind of kept us together. Cause everyone's like, Oh, okay. Hey, sure. All right, fine. And, um, and that's, that kind of is what works in bands. Um, cause I don't think it's, it's hard to stay together for this long. Um, yeah. And uh, um, I think I, Susie Sue might be the exception. I heard that, you know, of all the bands, like the band she's, I mean, Susie is, has a reputation. <laughs> you know anything about no, I, I, I know. I know. She's probably a total sweetheart. Also, apparently, if a band's making a lot of money, that's when they tend to tend to um, yes. have more fights. <laughs> it's exchange. really easy. Yeah. And, and yeah. also, and if you're backing up a once in a lifetime, like performer, you're like, yeah, I don't care. Like, sure, I'll sleep. I'll sleep in the van as long as everyone loves you. You know, there's exceptions to every rule. I'm That's sure. true. Yeah. Cool. I mean, not it, to say you were a great front man. Don't yes. Worry. Oh, yeah. yeah. The best. The best. Continue to be. But like you could have gotten a drug problem or you could have done. <laughs> you know, you could have punched the cop once in the entire 30 years <laughs> yeah, we've been together. That would have been a good idea. Yeah. Um, who, who did you guys want to sound like in those early days? Uh, well, I mean, yeah. we could. We should be. We should be able to say this quicker. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wow. To the original like rock band class that we did, we covered a lot of of 
what would be considered classic rock. Well, ish, sort of. But, you know, we did in there, we did Zeppelin and we did Bowie. We did a suicidal tendency song. We did um, Jane's Addiction. Yeah. Mm. Jane's Addiction. Um, Pink Floyd. Kansas. Yeah. R.E.M. And so then when we finally started and we're writing our own songs, I mean, R.E.M. was probably the first ish thing that we were sounding like probably right listening to a lot of the smiths we were listening to a lot of the smiths but then john was listening to a lot of guitar yeah i think we all came from kind of different different uh um musical uh kind of things we wanted to do musically because i was with just a guitar dork in all of high school and just like joe satriani and um steve i and just yeah things that just are just really not not anything like what we sound like but that's what i was into and uh luke was really into the 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 rem type bands and smiths and Mm -hmm. um and i don't know i don't know what greg greg was into jazz (laughs) (laughs) you listened to a lot of punk rock too didn't you greg yeah you were punk so yeah. I don't think we sat down and said we want to sound like this. We wanted to again please the crowd. <laughs> whatever whatever whoever we were playing to at that point, we would kind of blues brother it and play what they they needed to hear at that point and then developed it that way. We were cl- we were crowd pleasers and we remain we still are crowd pleasers we try. We played at a bar a local bar the other night and played for over 3 hours. Yep. Yeah. Really? Yeah. 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 And we did Blue Oyster Cult. And it was great if you were in the band. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone in the band seemed to love the entire night. Yeah. <laughs> Getting out to a show is a lot of work. It's it's hard for uh, you know, if you're in the audience and it's hard for us too. And so um so we liked where we are too in Northern California, there's a lot of great clubs and great audiences and you know it's san francisco bay area like there's a great musical history here and so people do go and listen to rock and roll still here um not just raves (laughs) (laughs) no i'm just thinking like a couple decades off i mean well a little bit in san francisco uh when we when we came up in san francisco in the late 90s or to use your phrase the turn of the <laughs> 2000s or the 90s um there were a lot of rock clubs like a lot yeah. of rock clubs. and we got to play in a lot of rock clubs especially in san francisco and now granted i don't go in as much i think there's fewer and i think everything moved to bespoke cocktails with maybe a d- quiet dj in the corner <laughs> right. so, you know the dot-com tech guys don't and women don't get you know their ears blasted out because they got a hike in the morning so um there's not as much rock and roll but up here where we are we have a bunch of clubs and we can still go and be loud which is really fun and so we're doing that more um i'm sure everyone talks about how difficult touring is um we're at the very tail end of our touring careers but yeah it's tough to get out there like if we wanted to go do chicago and atlanta you know just do a weekend run that's it's going to take a lot to get there and, and right. get through it. So right now we're in a stroke nine cruising around the 
North Bay and Northern California playing shows mode of our career. Got you. So you mentioned in the early days, you kind of started in high school or the, the college period of high school and then went away to university and then kind of went back to it. So at what stage did you kind of like start doing little tours with the band? Was it was it around that time that you came back to it that you started taking it a little more seriously? Yeah, we all moved in together um, at, in 95 after we got back from university. Uh, mm-hmm. We moved into a house up in um, Bodega, California. Don't look for it. It's a little tiny dot on a map, but a really right. cool town. And um, we lived there, and that's actually where we recorded Little Black Backpack for the first time, um, as well as our whole album, which ended up being called Bumper to Bumper. Mm-hmm. Uh, was recorded in this little house and at that point we also bought a book called book your own tour and this was a published actually analog book we could go to a bookstore and buy and it taught you all about how to sort of you know book a tour how to call clubs we started doing that we would go up and down the west coast playing a bunch of shows um we bought an old like ambulance from, I guess, probably like mid eighties ambulance, one of those conversion vans that had been turned into an ambulance. And we toured in that for, for a few years. And, uh, we did a lot of, we did a lot of work. Greg printed out a lot of flyers, a lot of handbills. Uh, we had like an analog mailing list. We would send out, you know, an actual postcard every time we had stuff to announce. And we would, we were one of those bands that was constantly like, promoting shows and promoting right. okay. ourselves yeah but like yeah. you, was, you we, still... would, we would walk around uh uh balls in in the bay area then we'd our first tour down to la we would walk around malls with a the disc man and our yeah. cds and headphones we walk up to people and put the put the headphones on them and and uh have them listen to it and then and then try and sell them CDs. And so we ended up selling, I think, a lot of CDs that way. And that sort of funded our our tour. And and then we played a bunch of empty clubs all around. And yeah. and uh um and it just kind of started building from there. When you would do that with the Disman, was uh was Little Black Backpack always like your first go-to song to hook them in in those days? I guess you would have had it by then if you'd recorded bumper to bumper. We did have it by then. I think Washington Wondering was our was our go to, wasn't it? I think yeah. honestly, now that I think about it, I think we would change the track depending on the person that we were targeting. So we're okay. doing a little bit of marketing on people, <laughs> and uh, you know, because backpacks intro is a little slow and it doesn't grab you as a yeah. I was I was just gonna say because you'd be like, no, just hang on a sec, let it get to the pre-chorus. Okay, then. Yeah, the chorus, exactly. the chorus. It's yeah, yeah. Just slow down. Let's sit down and have a drink. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, I think we would start something more. It was probably Washington. I feel like Bingo with... too. We would do yes, yeah. yeah. This song called Bingo that has a very catchy, quick intro. I mean, we li- we would literally walk up to people in the mall, put the headphones on them, play it, and say, "Do you like this?" And do you like us? Do you like us? <laughs> <laughs> will you validate our existence? <laughs> and even if they didn't like it, I think we, I think everyone walked away with the CD. Some people bought it. Some people just walked away with it because that was our esteem at that point. And I think we, we really like established ourselves in San Francisco um, yeah. at a club called Mix Lounge. And there was a club called Paradise Lounge 
those two places and they were kind of different audiences, but we built our audience in the city and that was kind of the place where we didn't have empty clubs. Um, yeah. And there was actually a place down in San Diego that we would go and play fairly mm -hmm. frequently where, where people would show up. And that kind of gave us um, this, this notion that maybe there was something there because um, we were playing very regularly, maybe like once a month or once every couple months at, at these clubs and, and to packed crowds. Yeah. And, right. and then we played at this place called the Sweetwater in Mill Valley, which was also a very small bar at the time. And, and it was, you know, it was it would be sold out. And that's where we met this attorney who heard Little Black Backpack, wanted to hear the CD. We gave it to him. He ended up kind of helping us um, find our way in the LA music scene and get the, get the opportunities that ultimately ended up getting us in front of some label people who got it. Um, and many that didn't get it. Yeah. And there was, there was probably, I think it was mid, it was late nineties in the Bay area. It all of a sudden became a real scene because we had third eye blind got signed then smash mouth yeah. got signed and train was here. And then green day had been there for a little while, but, but it became like, a scene and so you had um there was there was just a lot of people out at clubs liking rock music and 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 packing in these the all the different clubs and, and you were started getting um people showing up from la all the the people at, at labels like the a&r guys and and so uh so it just started a, a buzz around that time and that's that's kind of where how we got signed um as as it was a scene um right so did, uh, did you did you end up playing in those in those during that period before you got signed did you did you end up playing many shows with people like third eye blind or or even green day or any of those yeah no. we played with third we played eye with blind, third blind. train yeah we played times. with them a lot we played with train a lot Did we play with yeah we blind? played with third yeah. eye blind at, at, paradise. at paradise lounge i think yeah they came to the show and they they brought anna nicole smith i remember that yeah which was like <laughs> the greatest late 90s moment of all time yeah we played with train a lot we opened for black lab at the fillmore that was a big one yeah that was a showcase we played with i mean and then there was creeper got their deal creeper protein was good, got yeah. their deal crumb that band got a deal mm -hmm. oleander um, they were oleander from sack, from but, sack. Yeah. yeah but yeah it was it was paradise lounge was just those were the greatest days it was there were hundreds of people going to see rock shows, standing lines to see rock shows. Like, could you imagine that right now? Yeah, yeah. And then, and then there were the we had a they had they called them showcases where uh, we played. I think that was the the show at the Fillmore, and yeah. and um, that's when all the A and R's came out. And I remember we had Rick Rubin there, Guy O'Siri, um, and who's that guy? Freddie Freddie Deban. Oh yeah. Um all just like the biggest A and R guys at the time. Yeah. Of course we were most blown away by Rick Rubin. Um yeah, yeah. unfortunately he didn't sign us, but it was still pretty cool to see him there. Um uh, but that was just that was the scene in the, the late nineties. Just everyone was just out trying to sign everyone that could. Was that showcase that did that lead you to get signing with with someone though? Mm-hmm. That one maybe I think that was the one. Yeah, that yeah. was where okay. Daniela and Jolene were there. Yeah, Jolene Cherry. Yeah. So that's when we signed with Universal was shortly thereafter. It was insane. It yeah. was it was fun. It was fun. Ridiculous. And they took us out to dinner. 
at the fanciest restaurant in San Francisco and ordered everything on the menu. Just post trio. Yeah, post trio and just ordered everything and said, here, this is how we order. <laughs> and so we signed shortly after that. <laughs> like, That's I like your style. But luckily they kept the receipt and they built it back to us after we got signed. So yes. technically we bought it. We've we, it's that yeah. dinner has cost us about we're literally still paying for that (laughs) that must yeah i did i did hear you talking about that on another show actually um the fact that they made that recoupable is uh (laughs) quite amazing really you know it's cool like I, i i think by the time we were signed and by the time anybody signed you don't go into a contract with a record deal thinking they're good or like it's a smart <laughs> do it's a trade-off it is you know kind of a deal with the devil and it's sort of like yeah they're going to give us a bunch of money and it's going to be awesome and any money that we're going to try to make is not going to be from selling a record it'll be from touring or merch or whatever and so you know you're realistic about that you know like yeah. to make money off of a sale of a song you have to be stratospheric you have to be yeah getting into the millions and millions of albums and that's hard and of so course. we were under no you know false pretenses that like this was a smart thing to do but you do it because it was fun because we got to go all over and have sushi dinners and someone loaned us the money to do all that stuff and it was like cool no harm yeah, no exactly foul. and it would have been and great you- if it worked out, but you know and it worked out great we got to do a lot of fun stuff but like did we make money off of selling an album I don't know. I don't really look at the money and I'm not involved in that part, yes. but I seriously yeah. doubt it. <laughs> somebody <laughs> did. Somebody <laughs> made money. I mean, somebody did. Not us. Like, did my bank account <laughs> go from, did I get any zeros added to the end of my bank account? No, I did not. <laughs> but you got to make um, an exciting record and nasty little thoughts. And yeah, obviously... I mean, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you if. Well, there I you are. Stuff, yeah. You know, and like, it's great. It was, it's an amazing ride. It was no regrets. It was so fun. Yeah, it must have been amazing making that record, obviously, with the producer you had as well. Um, were you kind of like when you were making it and obviously you had little back, black backpack, which was, you know, I think you were pretty confident was going to be the 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 hit from or, or at least the lead single from the record. With, when you were making it, were you just like, hey, we could be making a, this could be something really big, like as that was coming together with those songs? Yeah, absolutely. I think we were we were pretty uh, optimistic at that point once we got the final version of that song and then the rest of the album too. I mean, we were getting yeah um, really good feedback, I think from people who bought the album and uh, a lot of people still today are like, oh, I listen to that album all the time and it's still like a start to finish kind of album for me. So I think we're all still really proud of that. We, we're proud of all the songs I think that we do and all the albums too. Like everything we've done, we, we really, and I'm sure all bands and musicians do that. Like you, you don't intentionally put something out that you don't like, um, or you, you, you put all your effort into everything you do. Um, and, and, and yeah. Okay. So. Okay. We didn't, we didn't put everything into every single, well, not every, <laughs> <laughs> there's a couple that we had to let go. We've, we've cut some corners, uh, over the years, I think. Uh, well, we did put it out an album that was called "Songs We Didn't Love." Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we're calling it out. So. Yeah, I actually do like a lot of songs, most of the songs on that album, though. Yeah, it was it was fun for us. I mean, because I think we we got to experience that that making an album that way of of 
you know, record company, very involved producers, yeah. very involved. Um, and, uh, that's a great experience. It's difficult to follow that up because people want you to write the same song and there's no yeah. way to do that. Yeah. Um, and so then you have to figure out what to do next. And I think we had a lot of fun after that, um, trying to write music. And I think one of our coolest albums is, um, all in. Yeah. Where, where, uh, we just ended up doing it in, in our bedroom. It was like the first pro tools. They, a uh, little M box they made and, and we just got to experiment and mess around and do stuff that, that, you know, and without anybody telling us anything. And, and that was, yeah. that was great. And so that's how we've kind of done music ever since. Um, and so, so we've kind of got to experience both sides of it. The, yeah, the, that's good. A lot of money like, involved. Oh, and, so you uh, guys, so you're still making music <laughs> after the hit, after backpack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And oh. and when I say we're not just trying to recreate backpack every time, I'm lying. <laughs> <laughs> it's we funny. literally Let's... tried to recreate it with "Kick Some Ass." Yeah, because "Kick Some Ass" was the the lead single on our second yeah. album with Universal, yeah. and we. Yeah. On Little Black Backpack, we were like, hmm, what are the things about Little Black Backpack that resonated? And we had, you know, one of those conversations and the label was obviously like, you guys need to write a little, a little Black Backpack. And we were like, well, it was in an odd time signature. Let's let's do another song in an odd time signature. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. We didn't yes. intentionally do it, did we? We did. Yeah, we we did. did. I remember yeah, having those conversations. Yeah. Yeah, we did it. So we're like, oh, so that one was in 6-8. Let's try 7. Yeah. And I so, didn't know we intended. I guess but yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember the actual conversation. Maybe I wasn't. I was late there a lot. It was hard to get to the yeah. studio. Yeah. And that song did end up leading to one of the coolest things we've done, which would be in the Jay and Silent Bob Straight mm -hmm. Back video and movie. And um, so, and but, since that experience, have you done another song in an odd time signature? I think that was it for us. Yeah, kind of kind of closed the door on that. Yeah. So that's smart. So we we did it twice, yeah, yeah. and then we times. immediately yeah. abandoned that concept. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's wow. Awesome. Well, there's still time to to give it a, a third go. Well, that's we're in true. the studio. We're yeah, let's do it now. Right now. Yeah, we did three. We did five, so we could do a nine thirteen. Is that a time signature? Yeah, we'll call system of a down. What they suggest. <laughs> I don't know how aware you guys were of like obviously you're doing reasonably well in the states with um when you did nasty little thoughts but like how it was worldwide i'll tell you a little bit about my experience of finding out about you guys so it would have been late 99 and on mtv uk at the time they used to have a show called the us top 20 and you know i don't know if that was officially the billboard or the hot 100 or whatever it was but i remember on that chart you guys were number one and i just remember like watching the video and i was like okay this sounds like it's in my kind of lane and then obviously when the pre-chorus came in and then the chorus and i was just like this is this is fucking amazing but like it was it was such a different time i was just like okay let me write down the name of that band because you know i couldn't just jump on spotify or whatever and it was like amazon was a thing but it was you couldn't just readily order a cd from anywhere in the world so I remember I had to go into like a local record store and get them to write it down and order the CD on the import. And until that happened, I remember I used to go on the MTV website and they used to 
have like real player that brought up like clips of songs and I, I i could only listen to like the first 45 seconds of the song but i was just listening to that on repeat until i finally got my copy of nasty little thoughts which i uh you know excitedly listened to and then was massively disappointed no i'm just joking it was uh <laughs> it was it was full of great songs as well uh which which led me to getting into you guys it's funny you mentioned like people still say to you now about that record and how much they love all all the other songs on it and other songs that stand out to them. So I was talking to I don't I don't know if you guys would would have come across them, but there was a band they were on they were on Virgin. They were called Over It. They were from um, I forget what they I think they were California based, but they were kind of in the punk scene, but then branched out. But they they had a moment. But I'm, I'm friends with the singer of that band through through the show basically but i told him that i was talking to you guys and i was like you know little black backpack and he was like i'm more of a letters man you know that was always an important yeah. song to me so you know you get people saying stuff like that yeah yeah well that's a great story well thanks for sharing yeah. that with us that's interesting <laughs> yeah we got, we, got, we got to london once we didn't get yeah. overseas too much we were also a little bit um pre-napster like i think yeah napster really started to kick in at the end of that quote unquote album cycle but yeah, yeah we we had uh, we had one ill-fated <laughs> european jaunt where we did london amsterdam milan yeah yeah I feel and that was it just three places and no one loved us or cared and it was bad timing for us though too because we had the our record company uh universal i guess it, it split with I think it was polygram or something. Oh, right. So right, yeah. right at the time it was, it, we were supposed to get promoted overseas. Cause anytime at that time, anytime there was an American band that had, had a hit, they would just then, then push it in, in different countries. And, and that, so they split up. And so it was just all sort of fell apart. And then we went over there for our first tour and, and, uh, our first in, <laughs> I believe last. Yes. And I, also only. Yeah, there were some there, yeah. <laughs> mistakes were made. On we that, made some on bad choices. It was an epic, epic trip. It was that fun. Was probably one of those Can you remember the venue you played in London? Oh man. I think it was some guy pinged us about it the other day. Isn't it too. downstairs? Some it like was, in a sort of a it, was, yeah. it was not much. It was it was a it, it was, was a cool club. though. It, it was, was a club. Underground yeah. kind of club. I remember it really dark. <laughs> Sounds like every club. Yeah. But I think it was downstairs for some yeah. reason. Well, okay. So Yo, do you know it? Start you know walking it? around yeah. London <laughs> and look downstairs. London's bar. not very big. Oh. Do you remember uh, what part of town it was? Vaguely, was it central-ish? I know it's going back. I feel like it was central. I remember the hotel lobby bar i mean i remember that vividly what it looked like i don't remember the name i remember the flight out i remember the bathtub <laughs> in the room i remember the record label i remember going to the label office and being like you know it, it was like like you know i don't know much about london but it was where i imagine mary poppins <laughs> boss went and worked that bank that's what it was like it was very fancy and very old school and i was like this is where the label is. This is like a museum office. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then and it only went downhill from there. Amsterdam. Yeah. We had a lot of mishaps. Yeah. A lot of bad, <laughs> bad, uh, bad decisions were made. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just leave it there. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll not press too much on that one. It, was, it wasn't the 100 club you played in London by any chance, was it? Well, that's, that's, that's a what? Like, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. That Could sounds be. familiar. It sounds kind of familiar. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, because that we club still exists. We were great. It was pretty small. I mean, it was probably like, I don't know, 300, 400 people. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, at the most. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. it could hold. I mean, there were five people. That <laughs> were... <laughs> no, it was a decent crowd, I recall. Yeah. 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 Because I remember talking, we had the Eve Six singer on here a few years back, and they only played London once, and it would have been around the same time as that. And like, I wondered, like, it would make sense if if labels were sending you to go and play that's, that, that's that venue. Yeah, possible. Yeah, probably. Like the, I mean, at a certain point, we realized that they sent us to Europe just sort of as, as a thank you for working so hard in America, and they're like, "Well, you know, we'll send them there for a little vacation, but we're not really going to care." But I forgot about that whole polygram thing. That's true. That I mean, that's that's what, what they told us. Yeah. The reason oh. our. So we're just going with that. Kick this being ass for a man. We weren't successful. <laughs> they oversaturated. We so we sabotaged ourselves in Italy, though. That was that was. Us. Oh, really? That's, that's not a terrible story. Like that's fine. We we Jerry Harrison produced our album, and so that was a big yeah. story that we always talked about. And we were in Italy at the end of this this ill-fated tour which wasn't even a tour it was like a week <laughs> and uh and we were a little tired and a little discouraged by the time we got there and so our sense of humor is sarcastic or to lie or something and so and we'd we'd answered the question how did you meet jerry harrison so many times and yeah. the, the, the true story is pretty boring we contacted his agent and said will you make our album or something yeah, people would say, "How did you meet Jerry Harrison?" So we came up with this cockamamie story. We're from San Francisco, and we said that we met him in a bathhouse, and right. that we were all in the same bathhouse. And you know, one thing led to another, and we established a relationship. We thought it was funny. Um, <laughs> it, it was it, it implied all, that we were having a homosexual relationship with Jerry yeah, Harrison yeah. in a Catholic nation and there was going through a translator live on the radio station oh okay and so we thought it was funny we're like oh that's a yeah. funny bit like yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, we bit, yeah. yeah at a bathhouse and not a relationship with him a four-way and um and so we walked Maybe out five way yeah it would have been a five-way and we walked out and there might have been a couple of the guys there too. Yeah. honestly <laughs> been and uh we walked out of the the studio and our you know, our rep, our European rep and like PR person, yeah. they were standing out there just like, oh my God, what did you guys just do? We're like, what are you talking about? Like, that's kind of a funny bit. Like, that's a solid bit. They're like, that was not a solid bit. It didn't go over well. It didn't translate. Like, the radio station's not loving this. And we're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, but our bad. Like, and, whoopsie. And then the same basic thing happened when we went to Amsterdam as well, where we, uh, showed, I mean, a band going to Amsterdam for the first time is, you know, obviously yeah. just a rest going to be interesting. Yeah. 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 So, so we, we had this interview with the big radio station in, in Amsterdam and, uh, we had all gone out the night before. Um, and Greg got jumped. Like we were walking down an alley. A few of us got jumped wow. and Greg got, you know, a guy came, put a, put a, oh, yeah. a syringe up to his neck and, um, and and so we had to run away. He gave him. He got out of it by giving him. Uh, I think he gave him a lighter, right? Yeah, your, a lighter. Your, your giant's lighter. lighter, and yeah. got his, his way out of it. And then, and so then we had our interview the next morning, and and only two of us made it. Two guys just. I won't, we don't have to say who made it or not, but two guys just got 
we're, we're just lost in the city. And uh, we had our big interview at the radio station and, and two of us showed up and we had to try and perform and we didn't have everyone. And it was just, I just remember looking over at the, uh, the A&R guys, yeah. our rep and just so disappointed in us. Like, <laughs> are you kidding me? What was the instrumental version of backpack like? Well, it was not, it wasn't strong. <laughs> it's funny because like in the United States, like we would show up, we would show up for like 7 a.m. radio shows with like 30 kids and cranked. And then for some reason we got to Europe and we're like, this isn't happening. And we didn't take it. <laughs> no, that's why we're not back. Yep. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. But our tour manager was smart enough to write in Sharpie. He wrote his phone number on all of our arms so that in case we got lost, we would call him. And so we did get a call at about 10 a.m. and <laughs> yeah. had to go around and retrieve people around the city. It was good. Not smart, though. Um, one That's more why, quick question. That's why you never saw us in Europe. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which, which, which is a shame. Which is a shame. But at least, at least you got that brief experience. Went out. You know, it's better to burn out than to fade away. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, one more random quick question on um, Nasty Little Thoughts. I remember Washington Wondering, I remember hearing a version of that in Malcolm in the Middle randomly. I was like, oh, that's Stroke Nine. And that version of the song is different to the one on the record, and I can't find it anywhere. Do you know if that exists anywhere? Because like, it's got a different the lead that comes in after the chorus is a bit different. I'm pretty sure it's on YouTube because we were having this conversation the other day with our friend Michael Urbano, who's a local, not a local, uh, internationally known uh, drummer and and also producer. And he was asking about um, our experience working with Eric Valentine, who mm -hmm. is a producer who is a, a genius producer who did, you know, the big Third Eye Blind album and the yeah. Smash Mouth. Done all sorts. Stuff like that, all sorts of stuff. Um, and we actually had Eric remix and do a different version of Washington Wonderin' for Malcolm in the Middle. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, also because I think it was actually because we were going to release that song as a single and we didn't think that the Nassau Thoughts version was was kind of like I don't know, didn't have the right mix or something, you know, one really? of those conversations. And uh and so he did and he added some extra he had some ideas from extra parts. John added a killer new guitar parts. Um, I believe it's on YouTube. If you Google like it's Malcolm on YouTube. in the Middle, Washington and Wonder, and I think you can hear that version. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll have to look again because I did look, and and there was one that says it's that, and then you listen to it, and it's clearly the album version. So I I had to like find the clip from the show when it's playing. But I'll look again because I, I I that that version sounds really cool. I'd love to hear the full version of it. It's quite different sounding. Like I I just a beat it the other day in the car with Michael in the car, yeah. and uh, and because because we were listening to the Nassau Thoughts version, he was like, oh, yeah, this song's like whatever, you know. And then I put on the Eric Valentine version. He's like, oh, yeah, this is what it just <laughs> you know? And I was like, oh, okay. Well, yeah. it's we play, the, the version we play live is much more of that rockin' uh, type, uh, the same yeah. arrangement and, and the heavier guitars. And, um, and so whenever I hear the album version, I'm always like, wait, what did we, what, what happened here? What did we do? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think we were always, we were always trying to, especially at that time we were coming out, everything was heavier. And so we were always trying to make things heavier yeah, for better or for worse. Yeah. And the shows that we played on 
you know, most of the radio shows at that time, it was like, you know, stained and incubus and disturbed yeah, yeah. and limp biscuit and, you know, I don't know who else and, and us, you know, it would be like, we'd be insane clown posse. Yeah. We, play, we opened for insane clown posse. We I mean, played, you know, who we, we played with POD a lot. Yeah. yeah. POD. Like yeah. Crazy heavy bands. Yeah. And then us and then nine days. <laughs> yeah. with the, we opened for well we opened for creed there was one oh, we you? played in midtown atlanta yeah, and i yeah. think we were opening for creed not that creed is that heavy but it was just at that time things were a lot heavier than us and we did adapt but like in midtown atlanta we got hit with so many bottles of dip spit oh man america, i know this is an international podcast but in atlanta in america you dip you chew tobacco and you spit it into a plastic bottle and if and you're happy the with the band or if you're unhappy with the band, you just decide to throw that bottle as a tribute or as an insult. <laughs> and we got a lot, a lot of dip spit thrown at us. Okay. It was fun. We opened for anything <laughs> clown posse. Yeah. 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 I think we got an interesting one of us got a nine volt battery thrown <laughs> at our guitar. And we did, it was just a bunch of bunch of kids in the front front row with their the face paint juggalos yeah, as they're called yeah yeah just staring and just just Flipping giving us, us off yeah yeah just thumbs down let let me move on quickly to uh rip it off um obviously that was that was the follow-up did you like obviously you talked about kick some kick some ass which was kind of like you were trying to arguably write another backpack but I feel like there are a few songs on that that could have been hits. Do you kind of like feel a bit frustrated looking back at it, like in how it, what it, what it did or didn't do for you? And also another question on that. I, I, I saw on Wikipedia, like Butch Walker was mentioned on that record, but I was looking at the credits on Tidal and I couldn't see him on any songs. So was he like, did he work on that record with you? And, and if he did with where, what did he do on it? <laughs> We were in Atlanta. Uh, that was a million questions in one go. We'll start with the Butch Walker one. We were in Atlanta and we had this song called Do It Again that we had like written on the bus one morning. And uh, I sp specifically for some reason remember that the morning that song was written was the same morning that the first iPod was released. iPod, yeah. iPod 1 came out. Uh, and so you can do the math or look it up yeah. whenever that was. Um butch we had I, we knew butch just from i think touring and he was kind of a legend in atlanta at the time and and still is but um mm -hmm. we he had a little studio and he was like why don't you guys come in and um we'll just record this song and so or we'll do a demo of the song and so we went in and we demoed do it again and butch was there producing it and you know he, he actually sings on some of the harmonies on that Okay. Uh, you can hear his voice in the background. I think he goes, woo, uh, and maybe a couple other things. <laughs> some clapping, probably. Some clapping, yeah. some harmonies. But um, And then when we went to do the final mix of the record, we were like, oh, let's, you know, let's pull that session up and, like, get it mixed and and do a proper mix on it. And all of that session data got lost. And so all we had was this, like, original bounce of the song from that demo. Mm -hmm. and that's the version that's on the album. And so it's a cool story. It's, you know, and that's a yeah. testament to how good Butch Walker is, you know, yeah. Una, he unoed it like yeah. on a demo and a rough mix was Butch. And I think he went on to do good things. I haven't been <laughs> following his career super duper close, but I think 
he's doing okay. From yeah, he's definitely doing okay for himself. I'd say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we we really helped him launch his career. We also just <laughs> saw their Marvelous Three, which is his band. Yeah, yeah. Um, from back in the day, just announced a show, a one-time reunion show in October of this year in Atlanta at the Tabernacle, which is the place we all used to play. Great room. Um, so if you're listening and you love Butch and and Marvelous Three, go to Atlanta in October. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, we'll be there. We'll be there. We'll be outside the venue trying to get in. Back to the original question. I'll I'll throw it to the team. Other songs on Rip It Off that you think had potential that just didn't get to that kick some ass level. <laughs> I myself, let's see. I mean, latest disaster is the opening. Yep. I think that um no, there we did a version. Oh, I'm not gonna talk about the kick some Aflac version of Kick Some Ass. That would have been a hit. Um, latest disaster though, I think that one I think we had we had good intentions with that song i think vacuum bag is the one that comes yeah. to mind in terms of like yeah more of like top 40 hit and we did end up putting a lot of effort into that and we had this guy john shanks who is this massive producer of the day and we went in and worked with him on that to try to get it just right um yeah and uh yeah that and that uh uh, those two songs, "Backing Bag" and "100 Girls." Oh, hundred we, girls. We had we were just had a couple days off in Nashville. We were touring, and yeah. uh, and just I think it was just one night we we were up late and wrote both those songs, and um, it was just kind of a a quick thing that 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 happened, and and it was, and then we then we worked with other with John Shanks and other people to to make them into full songs and and produce them but um but i like i think i think that album we i i especially like vacuum bag and and because i think it was not it was wasn't too it was a little more dynamic and and uh i think like i said before we were always trying to be heavier people are trying to be us make us heavier than we than we were um and because i mean like we, we were saying we came from more of a poppier rem type thing and but yeah. but playing with with but getting hit and by uh by pod fans makes you kind of rethink what you're what you're doing <laughs> so so we so we made things heavier and and um uh and so i i like do it again and vacuum bag because they're a little more dynamic songs i i always loved and thought they could have been hits and david khan produced 100 girls if yes. you remember David Kahn is a another well-known producer, and we ended up working with him on that song. Yeah, he did a song. He did a band from uh, Long Beach. Mm. Oh yeah, called LBC. Sublime. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, 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 I assume people Sugar may Ray. have heard of him. Sugar Ray. Yeah, yeah. So he was great. He was, he was really fun to work with too. Well, that was the same thing. We were in. This is this is crazy. We. This was one of those fun, amazing rock and roll moments. We got to go to a studio in Los Angeles called. Henson, which was originally RCA, A and M, I think, A and like that. Yeah, yeah, and so, um, we the the first album had been successful, so we had a little bit of money, and people were willing to put us up with these big producers. And so, we got Con to go to Henson to record a hundred girls, and we were in this the big studio, and we got there the week after. 
they were recording Chinese democracy. So they were they were dissembling um, Buckethead's chicken coop, right? Buckethead, he records allegedly in a chicken coop. So they were taking that down. We got that room. So we had that room. And then in the other room, we had Shanks and we were doing vacuum bags. So we were in two studios. And then in the back studio was, I want to say it was Poison was there. Mm-hmm. And then we saw we saw um, Kiefer Sutherland walking around, and like it was insane. We're yeah. like, we're so in Hollywood; it's it's almost unbelievable. And it was it was there was a solid like three days. It was only like three or four days. It was crazy. The funny the funny thing about Hundred Girls is it was actually with the original way the song went was was it it was to all the girls I've loved the before. Lawsuit was happening too. So so to all the girls I loved before. Uh, you left me passed out on left the floor. Me passed it on the floor. Yeah. Um, and so we were about to release the song like that. And um, because it quoted that those lyrics, the record company sent it to the songwriters, which is Burt Bacharach and Albert Albert Hammond, Albert Hammond Sr. Uh, and is the guy from the Strokes, his dad. Yes. Who and is Albert Hammond Jr.'s dad. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so then they sent to cease and desist like you cannot release this song and no he uh, was gonna he was gonna personally write a letter to every radio station yes and to like bmi and be like i do not approve of this and this is not parody like i don't approve you know they cannot do this and you can't play that yeah and we were also suing the strokes for trademark infringement like that week we had a lot that was a it was was exciting it was was a good good week. week yeah yeah oh wow yeah 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 Crazy times. Um, <laughs> that's, quite a, that's quite a week. <laughs> yeah. Um, t- t- tell me a little bit about um. You meant obviously touched on it before the Jay and Silent Bob experience. That that must be something surreal. Looking back on that. Yeah, that one. Boy, we'd done we'd done uh, kick some ass, and it was out there to go around as our first single, and somehow. Kevin Smith got a hold of it, and I can't even say exactly how. Yeah, like, I think it that it was got shopped to him or something. Yeah, it was. I think it, it was the our record company was putting out the the Universal was putting out the movie as well, and right. and so they they put yeah. um, uh, Afro Man because I get high, um, yeah, and and kick some ass into the into the movie under the soundtrack, and and so that was that was sort of the 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 way we got connected, and then um, I think they 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 came up with some other video ideas and and kevin smith was ultimately like this is this these all suck i want to come up with my own video idea so so then he came and 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 directed it and was in it with us and no he didn't direct it oh that's right he didn't direct it. he came up with the treatment <laughs> he came up with and the then treatment. who directed that gregory dark gregory Who's dark porn porn a director. very well-known porn director was the guy that they chose to direct the video gregory dark yeah you can look it up yeah look up his work yeah yeah we all flew out to we stayed in new, new jersey york. yeah because uh jay couldn't leave town he had some troubles with the law yeah he couldn't so... leave the state of new jersey so we all had to go to new jersey to do it yeah and it was i was very hungover it was a rough day we had a good night out in new york <laughs> yeah I think, we had a good night, night out that I before. had to be done yeah. And it's funny because later on in life, Jay 
And the original bass player of Stroke Nine, this guy named Stephen Heath, became friends and were in movies together. So really, well, we're keeping it all in the family mm-hmm. across yeah. uh, across decades. It's very cool. And we got to go to the premiere. The movie premiere was really, really fun. Um, that was a pretty epic night. Yeah. Hanging we got to with party Afro-Man. with Afro-Man. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> what was he like? <laughs> he was having yeah, a good time. Yeah. Yeah. He was, uh, he was as like, you would imagine. Yeah. The crazy thing about that song is, is the, is the, um, Jay Which and Silent, song? uh, kicks some ass. Okay. And the Jay and Silent Bob fans and the, askew universe is that what it's called askew universe i believe that that fan group you know in those movies mall rats the jay and silent bobs yeah. sing amy clerks and everything like that are so dedicated and like whenever we trend or we come up or we interact with someone on social media for some reasons like name a song from whenever and then people will be like Oh yeah, I love that song in Jalen Jane Silent Bob. And it always comes up. And it also there's a lot of crossover to the wrestling community for some reason. And right. uh, and <laughs> so we'll we'll get that, you know, that little bump and people will be like, Oh yeah, I remember that song from the movie and talk about an amazing fan base and always been very cool to us. And like it's like, oh cool. Yeah, that, you know, and it worked perfectly in the movie and the video was fun and funny and it it, it was a very specific period in time as his movies yeah. are that, that are a great little capsule and it was great i mean what a great thing to be included in not quite as great as john hampson's um experience in everything everywhere all at once i want to give a plug to john <laughs> um, yeah we, we we definitely had a touched upon that when i spoke to him the other day that that's very surreal crazy yeah, crazy so happy for good him. for yeah. him he deserves yeah. it though he's a great guy he wrote the hell out of it, or yeah. they did. I'd be taking a little bit too much credit. What about the rest of the band? I mean, come That's on. That's what I said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just saying, he's doing the press tour on it. I'm conscious that I, we, we've been going a while here, so I kind of I just want to move things forward a little bit, and then I'll try and get to wrapping this up, because you know I don't want to take up all of your guys' morning, although there can't be much of your morning left at this point. Um, So like after Rip It Off, Obviously, that kind of did what it did. I mean, how long you after can that? Say, you can say what happened. I mean, that's that's <laughs> your question. Well, I was going to say after it, I don't think saying it flopped is a fair thing to say because, as far as I'm aware, it was a, it's still a decent record. It just did, it just wasn't a smash hit, you know. Like, okay, okay, after it perhaps didn't do what you might have wanted it to do. What did you? How long did you kind of? Did life change for you? Did you go back to like maybe not doing the band full time? What was that? What was that transition like? Well, to set the table, I mean, the thing came out two or three weeks after 9-11. And okay. uh and there was also boring shakeups at the record label, like yeah. you know, the president changed over and our AR loses their clout with that people. And so it was sort of like it's sort of like, uh-oh you know typical record story thing so then yes that falls apart and then it's sort of a slow decline (laughs) like you know uh you you go out and you do another tour and then we were also trying to tour it in a post 9-11 concert world and yeah not a lot of people were going out and they were certainly were going to big radio shows and you know 
then what happened? I don't know. Then then you're like, okay, let's regroup. And are you going to go the Sister Hazel route and like really organize yourself and start putting out records or what are you going to do? And yes, we did put out a record. Like we said, okay, we don't need to. Mm -hmm. We started working with, when I say we, I mean you, with, <laughs> um, with uh, what's his name? third man or whatever or uh what was uh, oh yeah rock the sister Rockridge, Hazel's yeah. label yeah no i think i think we pretty quickly realized uh we went on a couple tours we got after we had been in tour buses and private planes or private plane um <laughs> <laughs> one uh we, we 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 did a few tours in the van again we actually got our ambulance back out and 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 then we we sort of saw the writing on the wall there that this is going to get pretty depressing and 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 you're going to you know sleeping on people's floors or shitty motel rooms and then um and then I think we just kind of realized okay this we don't want to we don't want to go this direction we could yeah. we could do this but we'll all you know get terrible drug habits and and be just just very un, unhealthy lifestyle um which is fun when you're in your early twenties, but, but, uh, <laughs> not in your early thirties. No, no, no. Right. Right. So, so that's what forties or fifties. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> might, might start getting fun again. I don't know. It could. It could. <laughs> uh, yeah. So then we, we, we just sort of realized, okay, then we all started doing other stuff and then, um, and then just realized, okay, we're going to do this, uh, for fun now and not, and not try and do it full time. And, um, yeah, I think, I think, you know, we were very good and we worked really hard to get to the record label point. We were organized and we were self-promoting and making our own music. And then after sort of, it's not that the record industry collapsed, but it certainly changed because you had streaming and you had 9-11 and, and things changed that you were going to get organized and you were going to be like, okay, we're going to put out our own albums and we're going to promote them ourselves and do everything book our book our, ourselves and organize our fan base and get them to shows and stuff like that. Like that's running a legit business, like very, very much running a business and it, it's, it's hard and you have to be ready and up for it. And it's a big gamble. And we weren't quite to that level. And so I, like I said, sister Hazel, was right sister hazel came up with the rock boat you know and like they're like yeah we're gonna get all our fans on a boat and we're gonna do this thing and i think at, at one point they were organizing with their own travel agency and like made it into a legit business and yeah. we just weren't quite there and okay still not quite there but we it gave us what we did start to move towards is yeah well we can put out our own albums and so with the rise yeah. of home studios as john said like and then streaming services and stuff like that now it's great now we can put out our own albums and do it more on our own terms and our own pace am i wrong here yeah and we're just doing it because we like to do it and we're i mean that's the only reason we really ever did it anyway we yeah. just happened to you know write some songs that got picked up by a label and pushed to radio so um we're kind of back to doing what we did and even when we just do these local shows it's it's a lot of fun and we're having a good time with it. So kind of the goal at this point. It's cool that you transitioned into doing it like that. The band becoming that kind of band without splitting up or anything. I just 
think that's admirable. Sorry, what were you going to say, Greg? Yeah, no, now and so now you are making your own music still, Stroke Nine. We yes, are. we are, we yeah. are. Yeah, tell me a bit about. You can that find process. it on Spotify. Yeah. Um, yep. and uh, we have been trying to release just singles as frequently as we can. We're in a bit of a a lull right now, but we'll be back soon with some hot new tracks. We had just a pretty solid pandemic run. We put out a lot of pandemic music. We had a great pandemic. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you did a lot, lot of content in in the pandemic. Um, we did, yeah. Content is king. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, like you mentioned, you've had a few singles in the last last um, year or two. One, one, two, three, four is probably probably my favorite. Which, oh, nice. um, and then the la- last four length was about was about three years ago now. Yeah, it's hard to believe. Oh, yeah. Twenty, I think January of twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem like that long ago, but here we are. Yeah. Calafrio, yeah. And you are you looking at doing another full length in the next couple of years, or are you preferring just to do the the kind of the singles for now? I think what we're planning on doing, and I haven't spoken with these guys about this, but this is my plan uh, uh, to to continue doing these singles and then and then um, put it all together uh, as an album. So, okay. so makes sense. So do a do a group of singles and then and then kind of package them all up, the ones that um, people like. Uh, so obviously, one, two, three, four is now going to lead off the album. <laughs> and might be the only- <laughs> yeah, I'd never heard anyone like anything else besides that. <laughs> uh, it's, I, mean, that- I mean, it's immediately catchy. In fairness, yes. Oh, that, that, that's yeah. if you were going up to people with a discman now of the new stuff, that would be your. That would have to be your first one. That would be our lead off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's our plan to, um, uh, to, to do, you know, hopefully another album soon. But, um, I think, I think it's just fun for us to get together and, and record and, and it's, uh, uh, and just put it out and not yeah. think much about it. Um, and what's great is you can just kind of get easy, quick feedback and see if people like things or, yeah, yeah. And, and it's kind of if they don't it doesn't really matter because it's just it, they disappear pretty quickly if if uh, nobody listens to it so if if there's someone listening now who only like you know might be just familiar with little black backpack and is maybe not as familiar with stuff in recent times what uh for each of you what what's what's the best song in the sort of last 15 20 years that you guys have put out that someone should go and listen to to get back into you guys if if there is anyone in that position because i i'd like to think everyone's kind of stayed loyal and with the band since or if if it's people who are listening and aren't as familiar with stroke nine at all well what is john like john likes he likes lake Mm, um yeah not you john Uh, nine days john oh yeah i hate that okay okay That's his big song. Is he liked? He was a Lake guy. Was he? I don't remember. I think so. I'm a Rod Beck guy. I like Rod Beck. I think that song is really fun. I am a Calafrio guy. I I, I like it. I think it's a bit different, uh, but it's cool. Yeah, it's really easy. Just go to Spotify and sort by most popular, <laughs> and then get to the first one that you don't recognize and give that a try. We're all slaves <laughs> to the algorithm right now. <laughs> um, you, know, you know what song I really love by you guys in the sort of post major label days? It's it's going back a little while. It's from the Euro 07 album, but I love that song, Salutations. I think uh, 
that oh. that often makes playlists for me. I love that one. It's a right beat on. cut I enjoy. Awesome. Yes, yeah, check that deep. one out. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's good. Well, we haven't talked much about Jens, who's not here, but he uh he is, you know, one of the key songwriters in the band today as well. And right. Salutations is one of his he was maybe the primary songwriter of that song. So mm-hmm. great, great song. Yeah. Okay. Shout out call to out. Jens. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys get like recognized much these days from you know people who you know who remember from when when you have the big hit does that happen very often you mean like when you're walking down the street somebody yeah, coming up yeah going, yeah exactly oh, when you're doing you're your the guy from that normal backpack. life <laughs> um yeah what <laughs> well, I'm, I'm man you you're, you're uh, of course yeah. of course yeah sure yeah i inf- yeah, i enforce frequently. i enforce recognition on people like you know, <laughs> at a barbecue or something or at a, a bar and be like yeah no yeah you know you know me trust me yeah, go look, look it up right now. Google it right now. Look, see? Yeah, see, I told you. You, you know that song. I told you, you know that song. That's my name in the credits. Yeah, exactly. John definitely does. He likes to talk about with his with his friends, talk about Stroke Nine a lot. So they recognize that he was in that band because he's told them. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And uh I I I usually will just kind of give them autographs. Um <laughs> Even when they don't even ask for proactive autographs yeah i'm just in case and uh <laughs> sign sign things um but uh uh no no not at all um but but my my uh kids uh they think that i'm super famous um which is great because they're they're always telling nice. everybody that that uh i'm on the radio all the time and and um so I don't really you know it's funny because them. people will say to me all the time like oh yeah i always hear your song in like the supermarket and home depot and i know that's a lie yeah. we don't get played in home depot or in the supermarket because obviously we see the the royalty statements of course yeah. of that are on that but i've never ever heard it in the wild like right. it showed up on xm the other day and i got five texts like within <laughs> 20 seconds and i'm like well, clearly they never play it on XM because everyone just sent it to me. So yeah, I've heard yeah. letters out in in stores before. Have you really? I have. Yes, I literally really? have heard. Letters. Which yeah. store? Which stores you going to? The stores where I was controlling the AARP, the like <laughs> or pretty much. I think it might have been um, story of a girl, but I thought it was letters. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's one of the nine bands. So yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I hear I hear Eve Six song and I'm like, that's us. Close. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, funny you mentioned Eve Six. That that kind of segs me. I can segue into the next question. I promise um that I can wrap this up in a sec because we're pretty much coming to the end. But um, so I mentioned that we had Eve Six on this show before because you know we kind of I I always think of them as sort of from the pop punk world. Um, whereas you guys perhaps not so much i think like more pop rock or whatever but like what i mean obviously i already asked you about less than jake but do you are you do you have any interest in the kind of that sort of warp tour scene at all like because i guess you kind of came up adjacent to it like do you are you fans of any of that kind of music because i guess luke i'd noticed you did you did do a saves the day cover when you were putting out the chill covers and they're from oh that yeah world. i love saves the day um bad religion i mean yeah we like Unwritten I don't know. Law, unwritten law. We are. Oh, yeah. 
into oh yeah we we had um we had scott the front man on on this show not that long ago actually he's a character i don't know if you know if you come across him before yeah and um yeah i mean we were we were never close to warp tour we weren't that was yeah we never would have been considered for that we have an appreciation for it but we're a little different than that Uh, we never considered ourselves punk in any capacity that's for sure right yeah exactly we started to get it lumped in a little bit, but that was just more of a, a time thing. So we'd love to be asked for a warp, <laughs> warped tour. Is there a seniors tour? Is there a side stage for, older, for olds? <laughs> Where like the parents can go and hang out. Um, but yeah, uh, no, I mean, obviously we have an appreciation for all those bands and we played with a lot of them, but we were never yeah. any in that, that pump, pop punk. I mean, like if someone asks us to describe like what were you the default is sort of alt rock and i think alt rock yeah. over the years has has become its own third eye blind and us and i don't know who else is alt rock like i don't know but i just had a great idea yeah. <laughs> okay. the warp tour could rebrand as w-a-a-r-p-e-d Ooh, that's not bad yes that's, that's good that that's kind of that just writes itself. Do you know what the AARP is? Do you know what it is? AARP is. It's in the United States. It's the American, American Association of Retired Persons. I think. Right. <laughs> right. It is persons. It's it not persons. people. Good yeah. job. So I think when you turn I'm close. fifty, they start Oof, sending. No, I have a while. Okay. When you turn fifty, they start. Send, they like. In, they send you an introductory letter, and it's like, "Welcome <laughs> to old age." You know, yeah. and then they start sending you stuff and you get all sorts of benefits. You know, you can go to the movies for less and and the warped tour. And the warped tour for less. You, go. you get senior seating like it's a those, film or something. Those warped tour bands are in their fifties by now. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Like uh, like Blink one eighty two, Mark Hoppus, he's over fifty. Bad religion. Those guys are definitely over fifty. Oh, yeah. Oh, comfortably over fifty. Yeah. 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 What about some forty-one? Those guys are still in their twenties. Yeah. Those guys will are... <laughs> never grow up. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, I'm forty. They're a little closer to my age, I think. Yeah. yeah. Probably a couple were, of years old. Babies. They were babies when we were on tour. <laughs> they were. They were literally young. like we were. I think we were twenty-eight, and they were eighteen. Yeah. They must have been. Yeah. They're, yeah. They got to be ten years younger than us. Yeah. We we had Dave from that band on our show before. He was he was a fun guy. He was uh, yeah, sure that's really cool. I can't imagine what their experience was. They were so I rem- I remember playing some shows and looking at the side of the stage where they were standing, and I'm like, those kids are so young. And then they would yeah. go on after us, and like the crowd would lose their minds, and they yeah. were they were 18. It was crazy. Yeah. It's mad. Silver chair yeah. type. Action. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that guy had some stories. Oh yeah, I'm sure. yeah, we heard some stories about it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Take take our stories and multiply them by a hundred x. No, that's SR seventy one. Yeah, he did. Um, yeah, he did. Because I was thinking about that earlier when you talked about the nine days dust up. We he went into detail about some forty one SR seventy one dust really? up, which I, which I had heard about prior to talking to him so i kind of brought that up to see if he would open up about it and he did oh we'll have to go back and look. Oh, we nice. we we played with sr71 a lot too yeah 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 absolutely yeah and uh the guy from that band mitch allen i think he's he's had quite the lucrative career 
as a pop songwriter as well yeah yeah he did he wrote that like bowling for soup song right or with or with them yeah he did but but i mean even like bigger than that like he's been writing i think the demi lovato's last album like he wrote half of that so he he does those kind of artists that's good (laughs) wait you're gonna sit here and Tell us with a straight face that there's bigger than bowling than soup. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's not really possible in our world. This Demi Lovato, I hope she's having a great career, but like, uh, keep it. In keep perspective, perspective. Yeah, exactly. yeah, it's something something we can yeah. relate to here. Yeah. <laughs> um, We're talking listen, one zero, not five zeros at the end of your bank account. <laughs> Um, listen, guys, I'm, I'm conscious I've taken up a lot of your time now. Um, I've just got a couple of like quick fire questions, if that's cool, like to, to yeah, kind of sure. go around the room and then, um, then, and then we you can, can edit then all can of this. Wrap yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, have, you have an editing system, right? <laughs> I do, but I feel like, I've, like, and, <laughs> there's way too much I want to keep from this conversation. Well, we normally, Greg and I have been doing these podcasts, and by adding a third, I thought. You know, maybe it would be like a third less talking, <laughs> but not not yeah. like five of time <laughs> talking. So we apologize. Yeah. No, no, it's all good. It's all good as well. And then like it makes my job easier when when you're asking each other, setting each other up for the questions. <laughs> so I like this. I'm going to request from from now on the artists give me at least three of their members. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, let me let me dive into this. There's not many of them, and then we can wrap this up. So um, I'll ask the question, and then I don't know which order you want to go in maybe we go uh john luke and greg do it like that but sure damn it (laughs) all right favorite tv show oh seinfeld um south park oh i gotta say it right now um uh... don't say breaking bad uh don't say sopranos right now i'll say always i'll say always sunny right now (laughs) Uh, John had the correct answer there. Oh, okay. That's what I that's what I would have said if I was asked. So uh Good job, John. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> nice one. Well, that uh, was gonna be my answer. <laughs> You've never seen South Park. <laughs> I've never seen Seinfeld. <laughs> you know, that was me until I first went to the States because it never it was never really a thing here. It was shown, but it was never big, which is Seinfeld or South Park? Uh Seinfeld. South okay. South Park was yeah. big here, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um Favorite movie? Oh, well, I mean, this could be a tie, but uh, I'm going to change it up and say, um, I'm going to go with mm, Spinal Tap. Ooh, I'll change it up too. I'll go Napoleon Dynamite. Mm. I'll say the one that we're all changing it away from is Lebowski. Oh, nice. That's that's probably the one that the fans watch the most. Yeah nice that's i'm liking this like every time at least one of you's matching with me because lebowski would at least be in one of my top three as well so uh yeah i yeah. like how this that's is my going. top three lebowski what's your what's your number three. one my number Star- one or- yeah <laughs> um it was all do you know it was always swingers but i haven't seen that for years so i don't know how well that's aged having not seen it for like it's aged well it's doing okay oh, yeah. i watched it recently yeah, yeah I'm, I'm i i do need to rewatch it uh swingers or sideways I think oh, it's oh. interesting. Nice Ooh. local movie. Yeah, of it, course, Northern California. Yeah, yeah. four hours. <laughs> um, if you had to pick one of these two, Third Eye Blind or Counting Crows? Oh, 
That's oh my god. Uh, Next question. That is that's a no brainer. That's tough. Well, that's a no brainer. How is that a no brainer? That is difficult. I'm I'm conflicted because there's things I like about both of them. Um, If oh man, I don't know. I'm gonna go with mm, Third Eye Blind. I'll go with Counting Crows. I remember when I first heard um mr jones yeah i think i was a freshman in college or sophomore in college and it kind of blew my mind and then when i first heard around here after that i was like all right yeah it's great no i love counting cards and the uh uh that uh what was it the recovering the satellites yeah gotta get out on my own that Mm -hmm. song amazing but one more day up in the canyon oh Oh, man yeah but we met, it's, we met it's third eye blind it, it's like it is third eye blind i mean that that the sound of third eye blind is so good that album is so good That's but it. we did we did get to meet um what's his who's the guy from counting crows Duritz? Adam Duritz. when he was a bartender at the viper room in la oh and really we, yeah we went up to him and gave him our demo tape when we were uh trying to get trying to get signed so we yeah. so we uh met him then um don't ask him about it he probably won't remember yes, it, no but. <laughs> um that's a good question yeah that's that is a good tough question one, especially yeah. for people from the bay area like that's yeah two bay area bands yeah yeah i'll keep that question for for it next time um you throw train in there because then you're starting to get into like who does it like train is cranked no one loves them i mean but i love them you know and they deserve their props too mm-hmm. you know don't tell will and finally i mean if you can't give me one, give me a couple of contenders, but um, favorite record of all time or a couple of contenders for that slot. Mm. Uh, oof. I would probably say probably Joe Satriani surfing with the alien. <laughs> no, uh, I would say maybe Metallica Master of Puppets or... Um, the other one would be uh, Paul Simon Graceland. Uh, I'll go with Saves the Day and Sparta. Wiretap Scars, Sparta, and Saves the Day. Uh, be Yourself, is that what it's called? Or the, the one with... It's uh, your favorite album. No, do you mean Stay What You Are? Stay What You Are, yes. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know the nice. names of albums. <laughs> okay. I just listen to them all the time. Um, I've thought about this before, like Desert Island. It would probably be, if I had to do three to get me through it, it would be The Wall, it would be London Calling, and it would be the first She Love album. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice choices. I think um, about these things more than you guys do. Who Who is yours, Chris? <laughs> Besides Natural Thoughts, obviously. <laughs> and, and Rip It Off. And all in. Oh, and, and uh, Playboy. What's salutation? Oh, that's last on, of the international. Yeah, Playboys. Playboy. last yeah. of the international Playboys. Apart from apart from those three, it, <laughs> you know, it would probably be MXPX's ever passing moment. I don't know how familiar you guys are with MXPX, but it's kind of like people you like would argue like who's better out of Blink and Green Day. I'm like MXPX is better than both of them, and it's Jerry Finn produced it, and it's kind of yeah. trying to sound a bit like Elvis Costello, and it's just like perfect pop punk songwriting. So that that's my one. Sweet. Nice. Good one. Yeah. Very good. Uh guys, I appreciate this so much. Thank you for giving me all this time this morning. Um it's been Thank really you. cool. Pleasure. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Chris. Thank we you. appreciate you. Thank you.
Um, I will. Uh, Stroke9.com. Yeah. Please check us out. Of course. Out. Uh, follow us on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Spotify.org. And uh, we have a couple shows in the in California uh, this summer. We're going to. No, we have we have two. Stroke9.com slash tour. <laughs> yeah. So listeners, look out for that. Actually, I think our highest listener base is in California. So that is more relevant to our listeners than it is to me, sadly. But um you know, next I do love the Bay Area. So next time I'm there, hopefully that coincides with one of your shows because I would love and to we see do you parties. Guys we do sixty year old birthday parties, fifty yeah. year old birthday parties, weddings, retirement, you know, retirement parties. Um, yeah. And so if there's any like people over there across the pond who have uh, a bunch of pounds burning holes in their bank accounts, give us a call. There we go. Yeah. That's that's <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, guys, I'll let, I'll let you go. Um, thanks so much, Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. All right, Take good care. to meet you all. Bye.